This episode of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by Intel. Intel is an industry leader creating world-changing technology that enables global progress and enriches lives. Inspired by Moore's Law, Intel continuously works to advance the design and manufacturing of semiconductors to help address customers' greatest challenges. By embedding intelligence in the cloud, network, edge, and every kind of computing device, Intel unleashes the potential of data to transform business and society for the better. To learn more about Intel's innovations, check them out at intel.com. Hello, and welcome to this Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast, sponsored by Intel. I'm your host, Paul Roberts, the editor-in-chief at the Security Ledger, in this episode of the podcast. If you kind of think about, like, before the pandemic, most enterprises were designed to support everybody working from home during a snowstorm, right? But it's another thing when you have everybody working from home for a year and a half. The world is more than 18 months into the COVID pandemic, and one thing is for certain, business is not going back to normal anytime soon, if ever. The changes forced on organizations by COVID, from the shift to remote work, to an embrace of cloud-based applications, started out as temporary measures in response to a mortal threat. But they're the building blocks of a new post-pandemic normal for the business world. But securing that new normal won't be easy. The shift to remote work has pushed the enterprise perimeter out to thousands or tens of thousands of vulnerable home networks, and it has increased the reliance on VPNs and other remote access technologies, with cyber criminals taking note. And of course, just because workers have gone remote doesn't mean that organizations don't still rely on legacy IT infrastructure and application code, much of which is old enough to drive, if not to drink. What will it mean to secure this new normal? In this spotlight edition of the podcast, we're joined by Kathy Spence, a senior principal engineer at Intel. Kathy and I talk about the myriad of ways that COVID-19 has shaken up the status quo and shifted the battle lines of enterprise security. With the focus of policymakers and the security establishment on zero trust networking, she and I talk about the work that Intel is doing to distill key components of zero trust so that they work out of the box with Intel-powered products. Kathy's day job at Intel is as the chief architect for the company's commercial client platforms. So to start off, I asked her to explain the difference between commercial and consumer-grade client systems and how the different use cases influence the design of the devices. We all kind of know this intuitively that businesses buy different types of laptops, desktops, you know, uh, than, than consumers uh, or students or whatever. Uh, what are some of the special types of features that businesses demand of their laptops and desktops and that end up, um, you know, as part of the, the systems that you build? I get that question a lot, you know, like, so what's the difference between a commercial PC and a consumer PC? You know, and the, uh, you know, the base platform itself is largely the same. But you have to remember that uh, commercial devices are corporate owned, uh, so they tend to be a little more robust. Um, believe it or not, you know, um, you know, people don't take care of them as well as they might take care of their own personal PCs. It's you know, kind of like a rental car, right? And think <laughs> about how people treat those, right? So your commercial PCs need to be more robust, and then um, and then you have to think about you know um, the you know, that's a corporate asset. And so the, the company needs to be able to find their PCs and know how they're operating and uh, secure them and so forth. 
so my team actually focuses on adding those unique capabilities that strengthen the security and the performance and the technology needs uh, you know, for modern uh, workforces. And, uh, you know, for example, like business, business devices, um, you know, they normally contain all the corporate data, right? And uh, therefore, they yeah. require the additional uh, security reinforcements. Um, our, you know, our best for business platform, Intel vPro, uh, it comes with hardware shield, which is a set of uh, strong hardware enhanced security features uh, that give more like heavyweight protection to the corporate assets. So historically, I mean, one of the big concerns, obviously, with like corporate laptops was, you know, theft and and loss of the data that's on the laptop because it's now in the hands of of thieves. Obviously, with with COVID and the huge transition shift to work at home and remote office in the last 18 months, a whole crop of new uh, risks uh, has has come to the fore as, as being really relevant for companies. Could you talk just a little bit about how, uh, you know, the pandemic has shifted the conversation on the security of these uh, corporate assets? Oh, absolutely. The, uh, you know, uh, the pandemic was uh, hugely disruptive. Um, so if, if you kind of think about like before the pandemic, most enterprises were designed to support everybody working from home during a snowstorm, right? But it's another thing when you have everybody working from home for a year and a half. You know, many companies had to rewrite their business processes uh, to keep everybody productive from working from home. And then they had to address all those challenges that come from, you know, working outside of the the office. You know, um, everything from, you know, your basic security hygiene, like as as you mentioned, uh, you know, who's, uh, you know, can, uh, you know, see your data or overhear you speaking uh, in the next apartment over maybe. Um, and even things like uh, remote security patching has been very challenging. So um, de- depending on that enterprise and how far along they were with adopting, you know, modern practices, you know, some organizations were better prepared than others um, for all that disruption. So I, I think that I think the biggest thing before the pandemic, everybody was moving towards what was called digital transformation, you know, modernizing uh, over the cloud. And then what happened with the pandemic is it accelerated everything. Yeah. It's like you, you strapped a rocket engine to the digital transformation plans basically and said, instead of doing this in the next three years, let's try and do it in the next three weeks. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, you know, uh, they, they did it in weeks or, or a a few short months of, of what they had to do. And, you know, uh, it, it put a lot of stress on, you know, even like the v, the corporate VPN, of, you know, how, how do you dial in and, and kind of get access to your apps and your data? And so they had to do all kinds of uh, different things like, you know, implement uh, split tunneling, right? So that you didn't have to bring all the traffic back through the enterprise and uh, redo, uh, you know, their, you know, how, how they do support VPN. So it's been a big, huge change uh, in 2021. Necessity is the mother of invention. I mean, looking back on that period, can you think of some kind of cool innovations or discoveries or realizations that we might not have but for COVID and the pandemic? Well, I, I, I don't know that there's like brand new things. You know, I think I think the security landscape has been extremely challenging with, um, you know, uh, some pretty high profile uh, cyber attacks, you know, like, for example, the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack or the solar winds uh, supply chain attack 
And, you know, through that, um, I, I think that, um, you know, 2021 has really become the year of zero trust. I think, you know, at, at least that's, you know, what they what they say out in the industry or predict at least that it's going to be. Um, I think everyone's trying to figure out what that means. And uh, e- even, you know, I don't know, it looked like we were all going to be able to go back to the office and now we're not sure. And enterprises are really trying to think about what their work models are going to be. Right. So those uh, zero trust kind of models have been, you know, really accelerated and uh, there's been some innovation in that area. You mentioned the um, zero trust. This is the term du jour or, uh, or term of the year, even. I'm not even sure what that is in French. You know, everyone from the federal government on down is talking about this as the paradigm that we all need to move to sooner rather than later. Talk, I guess, about your definition of zero trust. And when we think about Intel, obviously, we think about some of the contributions you've made in hardware-based security, things like the trusted platform module. How does that you know, hardware-based security, root of trust, and so on, slot into the zero trust model, as it were. Okay. Well, well, let's well, let's start with like the definition, right? Um, personally, I subscribe to you know the NSA's uh, you know definition, right? They have a great paper on embracing a zero trust security model. You know, if anybody hasn't seen that. Um, but, um, you know, I, I define zero trust as an architectural approach and a mindset, right? So, you know, don't trust anything on steroids, really. And you're always verifying explicitly and continuously. You just have to assume, you know, you're under attack and make sure that you're limiting the damage of your high value assets, right? You just want to uh, try to protect them as much as you can. So it's a combination of like uh, monitoring and then also implementing the uh, least privilege access, you know, to assets. So zero trust doesn't stop at the a network or a system. It's you can apply it all the way down to the silicon. Uh, and you know, for us, right, it, it's about making sure that below the OS uh, that it's protected. Uh, and you know, that's because that's the foundation of your entire security stack. So, uh, so you know, you, we've seen more and more attacks that are that are happening below the OS. So having that hardware-based root of trust, that's going to be, you know, super important as we as we move forward. So uh, among your other superpowers uh, and accomplishments, you've done a lot of work around, you know, security frameworks and standards for cloud computing. And obviously, uh, we were talking about digital transformation. I mean, a huge aspect of that is moving workloads from, you know, traditional IT environments to you know, cloud-based applications and cloud-based storage and and so on. Can you talk a little bit about specifically to the migration to cloud? And obviously, once again, COVID, you know, put a rocket booster on that transformation as well, and how that is going to impact some of the security planning and how it should impact the security thinking of companies that that are doing that that are that where the digital transformation really involves a big shift from on-prem managed IT assets to cloud managed. Yeah, well, there's a lot to that for sure. Yeah, I tend to ask really long-winded questions and um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's not because I'm getting paid by the word, I can tell you and that. And I'm trying to be succinct <laughs> in my answers. So uh, I, th- I think that, you know, so as I mentioned earlier, right, everyone is has rewritten their uh, business processes to be more effective when everyone's working from home, right? And things are not going to go back. Right. They're not going to go backwards. You know, we have to keep, we have to keep moving forwards. When you think about your uh, applications and your data and your da- you want to protect your data. 
that uh, you have different kinds of, you know, you have to understand what your data is, right? Of where's your high value data versus your not high value data and how you should have access to that data. And your applications, right? So you have the applications that are maybe the newer ones that you want to get, you know, uh, that you're trying to modernize. And then you might have older legacy applications that you don't want to, that you don't want to trust or don't want to, uh, rather, you don't want to touch it because, you know, it might break. I mean, you know, we've had customers tell us that they have apps that are old enough to drink, drive and boat. And they don't want to touch those applications. So dealing with your legacy applications and how you might encapsulate those and kind of deal with those. And there's different, there's different ways that you deal with those legacy applications. And then your new applications that you want to modernize and really take advantage and really build the whole zero trust in right from the start. Because I don't think it's just about your network. I think, you know, your app understanding too, when you can have access to different kinds of data, right, based on not only the user who's accessing that data, but also other more hardware-oriented, um, you know, identifications like the hardware's identity. I, is this an authentic platform? Is it? What's the security profile of that? Is it? Where is it located right now? You know, um, uh, you know there's there's all kinds of you know d- different factors that you have there that can go into that least privileged model of when you want to provide that access and when you don't. Maybe some kind of biometric authentication on the device itself, right? I mean, something like that. Yeah. Well, you could do that too for the user. So I think that yeah. like there's there's user, user plus device, right? Understanding yeah. who the user is, right? And in some cases, you don't necessarily have a user, but you know, if, if there's a user trying to access it, you might want to know that it's really them, right? Which is a challenge. But even beyond that, the device itself you know, do you want, there could be use cases where you want to challenge the identity of that device to make sure that's really my device, right? And, uh, and, and you can do that as well. You're listening to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast sponsored by Intel. I mean, one of the issues is that everybody's network perimeter is now the sum of thousands of, of home networks or, or, you know, wherever people happen to be working for small offices, branch offices. What are some strategies you've seen just in how companies are ensuring that those environments to, you know, from which they're connecting into secure corporate assets, cloud-based or otherwise, are, are secure? Any interesting um, developments on that just in the, in the last 18 months? Very difficult when everybody's working from home, especially the last mile, right, into people's homes. And uh, I've seen some companies actually put in uh, their own setup, right, of giving the employee a router and giving them, you know, to make sure that they have a stronger environment. Because again, like in consumers, right, and sometimes consumers want to, you know, they're very concerned about costs, right? So if you set up your, your network from your home, you know, maybe you have a really old, you know, access point and router, and you don't have, you know, it's not really being managed in a more sophisticated way. I'll put it that way, right? Uh, so, you know, an IT department could, ha- I've seen that happen. You know, uh, VPNs are still being used for very critical uh, things. And I think that, you know, you more use of uh, TLS for encryption is another technique that I've seen used. We talked about SASE just now as that's more advanced and emerging right, of how can IT gain more control over those uh, remote environments. But today, it's, there's a lot of challenges. And I think there's training. I think, I think training your employees 
right, uh, security training and make sure that everyone's aware of, you know, some of the common problems and, uh, you know, they play what their role is, that they play a role in the stewardship of the corporate resources. You, you had kind of anticipated my next question, which is um, the Internet is, is obviously these days a lot more than uh, laptops, desktop servers. There is all, there are also, you know, broadband routers, uh, webcams, uh, smart doorbells, right? Uh, smart appliances, all manner of connected smart devices running software and running Intel Silicon and, and, and other hardware and software. How are organizations, how are companies, I mean, you're focused on the enterprise side, um, dealing with that threat? We, we know, uh, for example, the, the Conti ransomware playbook um, got leaked uh, for affiliate playbook. And, and part of that was actually about um, using some software to go out and scan for routers and webcams and stuff and use those as, as launching pads for, um, for their attacks as well. How do we kind of extend that zero trust model beyond just uh, desktop, laptop servers, um, cloud applications to encompass all of these other connected devices that might be, you know, either within an enterprise IT environment or certainly within, you know, workers, home offices and home environments that they're working from now? Um, and, and, and what's what's Intel doing on that on that front? So when you've got those kinds of devices, right? Uh, well, number one, you probably have a lot of them, right? So you've got a scalability uh, challenge. Uh, you don't have a user, right, for a lot of those devices. There's no user who's operating it, you know? So if you focused all your efforts on just user authentication, uh, that's not gonna help you in, in that kind of a model. And then I think with those kind of devices, you have another challenge, right, which I kind of talked about the consumer version of that, but even if you're in an enterprise, like a like a, a campus building, a lot of those kinds of devices, they're installed by what's called OT, right? Uh, operational technology versus IT, right? And, you know, you can think of those folks as like the facilities folks, right? Who um, are probably less sophisticated than, uh, you know, an IT uh, shop when it comes to, you know, uh, security. Right. So you have all those challenges that you have to deal with. Right. And so um, so that you re so having that zero trust model is super important here with those IoT uh, endpoint kind of devices. Right. Understanding what access do these endpoints uh, have? Can they be on their own isolated uh, networks? Um, what are, you know, the, the notion of hardware identity, which, you know, I've mentioned a couple times during this discussion today, right, that could come into play and be even more important. But some of it depends on what kind of an IoT device you're talking about. Are you talking about a digital sign versus a sensor versus, you know, a kiosk? I mean, you have all kind of levels of those kinds of devices. Right. And you want to apply the right set of, you know, of, of rules, right, business rules or conditional access rules to those kinds of devices. And, you know, and, and you know, make, a, make an effort to, you know, really protect yourself uh, in, in those situations. So for us, it's all about kind of the hardware, the hardware identity. It, a lot of times, you know, even, even our best for business uh, vPro platform is in some of those higher order devices. So, Having things like hardware shield, yeah. So you know, people build, you know, I've seen digital signage and key and uh, point of sale systems and 
kiosks and things like that. And all of those can be protected with that, that same kind of hardware root of trust and below the OS uh, protection um, that we have in Hardware Shield. You know, all the things you're talking about are amazing. And, you know, if adopted broadly, would certainly change the dynamics in terms of defenders versus attackers and so on. The, the problem often is getting both device makers to invest in higher security components, you know, especially if it increases unit costs, for example. And then on the, um, you know, kind of enterprise side, getting those organizations to, you know, really select for those security features. What do you think is the best way to really push a concept like zero trust really down both into the manufacturing process as well as into the on the buyer side to really encourage people to select for these types of features and then use them so that we can actually you know raise the level of of uh, capabilities of organizations well you know so uh, so my team we work on some of those features we've seen that enterprises they are willing to pay for the additional security they do want the best security you know, for sure, especially when you've seen a lot of those high profile attacks or especially the, you know, the first half of this year. For us, we are always looking at, you know, and there's been a couple of, you know, uh, developments, right, or, you know, uh, executive orders recently um, around cybersecurity. You know, we're constantly looking at these and trying to bring them into something more actionable, right, that we can apply at the hardware level, because sometimes they're, you know, they're just really high level. So, you know, you have to kind of interpret that and decompose that into what can we actually do from the platform uh, in order to help address those pain points. And we're constantly looking at that and we're um, thinking about the, you know, can we do things so that they just work right out of the box so that IT doesn't even have to do things. So whatever we can do to simplify, you know, that adoption, um, we really try to do that. So I think it's, um, it's a combination of, you know, uh, what can we make work right out of the box? Where do we have, we have to expose some monitoring, right? So that, uh, you know, IT or, and, uh, and the information security folks can actually see that it's working, right? And then, uh, and then we have to be really careful about how we implement configuration, you know, uh, so that it's, it's, it itself is highly secure and people can't do things like turn off the security, so, um, you know, those are some, some of the things that we think about to try to, you know, just how do we make it easier? That's why, you know, like with Hardware Shield, you know, just a lot of that is it just works right out of the box. So as much as possible, as, but that's, you know, we're only one piece of the puzzle, too. I mean, you have to have the whole zero trust mindset. Um, but, you know, that's what we're doing. Final question. We, I mean, we talked earlier about, you know, the, the COVID and the pandemic and, and you had sort of said, you know, things aren't, things aren't going to go back to normal. Things aren't going to go back to the way they were. You know, as somebody who works day in, day out on uh, tailoring Intel's um, products and technology for enterprise buyers and for corporations, what is your vision of um, what the new normal will look like when, um, you know, when, when we get there, when we've run through the Greek alphabet, as it were, and, and, and COVID is finally behind us? What, what do you think that new normal is going to look like? And, and what is Intel's role in, in that new normal? You know, that's hotly debated right now. Everybody's talking about yeah, that. Yeah, you know? I bet. Uh, and, you know, we we have a couple of advisory boards that we talk to on a pretty regular basis, and we're always talking about this. What's What are things going to look like in the future? So obviously, everybody just rewrote their business, you know, processes so everybody can work from home. They're not going to go rewriting them again, you know, but uh, I think that there's some folks that uh, in some companies are, are just, you know, 
uh, letting people work remotely uh, on an ongoing basis, you know, if that works from if, if that works for their particular what, whatever their business is, right? You know, obviously, like Intel's a manufacturer, so you know we have to have people there doing the manufacturing. They, everybody can't all work from home. It's really, I think, a lot of it is the degree of hybrid, right? That of how you know, well, maybe I don't have to work from home all the time, but I'm going to be in the office only at certain times, and especially when you need to collaborate with your team. Right. So there are some companies that we've seen that are implementing um, like they would get rid of a lot of the desks and they put lots of collaboration spaces in because the reason that you're going to be in the office is because you have to work with other people and you and you need to do that. You know, uh, but you need to be able to do that in a way that uh, some folks can still be remote. So um, I think during the pandemic, we had a lot of um, level playing field because everybody's working from home. Once people start to get back into the office, then um, I think you have some different challenges, too, because depending on where the leadership of the organization is located, it's going to create some challenges. Um, I think really what this does from a security standpoint, right, is that you're going to have very unpredictable traffic patterns, who's in, who's out. And so the mobile, you know, we haven't been very mobile because everyone's just at home, but now you're going to have the mobility as well, right? And so everything that we've been talking about today around zero trust and putting those, you know, good security principles into practice, that's going to be even more important, right? When everybody kind of gets back to whatever that new normal is going to look like, you know, and then, and then we're all going to have to learn from each other, right? Of uh, what, what the, the best practices of what's working and what's not working. The AI is going to have to get a lot smarter in figuring out what your patterns are. I guess if you're if you're both remote and mobile all the time, yeah. Well, that that can help. When I think about like what's going on in you know commercial, right? In enterprise, everyone talks about like cloud first, but the next wave has got to be more around kind of the AI first, right? AI. How do I do AI ops? And if I can anticipate when people are going to be there, I might reconfigure things a, a little bit so they can work better. And, um, and, d- and depending, depending on how things turn out, you might have to do your best to limit some of the human contact, right? And so what can I, how can I use technology to do that? There's lots of different uh, ideas and options for that as well. And whatever we can do to help with that, um, you know, we want to we wanna be there, right? Because, you know, one person's, one company's security breaches another one's risk. Uh, if we can all kind of come together and encourage that whole zero trust adoption, you know, the industry at large can make a lot of progress towards a more secure future. Kathy Spence of Intel, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on Security Ledger Podcast. It was great to meet you, Paul. Thanks very much. Kathy Spence is a senior principal engineer at Intel. She was here to talk to us about securing the post-pandemic enterprise. You've been listening to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger Podcast sponsored by Intel. Intel is an industry leader creating world-changing technology that enables global progress and enriches lives. Inspired by Moore's Law, Intel continuously works to advance the design and manufacturing of semiconductors to help address customers' greatest challenges. By embedding intelligence in the cloud, network, edge, and every kind of computing device, Intel unleashes the potential of data to transform business and society for the better. To learn more about Intel's innovations, check them out at intel.com.